We are just taking a break from Ezra as we hit the Easter time, and I do want to get you away as, as quickly as I can this morning. So uh, a little detour from what we usually do on a Sunday morning. And we're in Ecclesiastes chapter number 5, and we're going to be dealing with verses 10 all the way through to verse 20. But let's just pause for a word of prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, I do pray and ask that you would help me this morning to be an able communicator of your word. I pray, Lord, that you would settle our hearts to hear from you this morning, whatever you have for us, Lord. Will you show us? Will you teach us? Will you enable us? Will you equip us with uh, everything that you want us to have and hear this morning? And I ask that you would indeed bless us, Lord, as we meet together uh, in this time in your word. And I ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. Ben, can you turn the, uh, the, the, there's a black box at the bottom right with a big round volume knob. Just turn it down a little bit for me. That's, that's fine. Thank you. All right. So we're, we're going to have a look at the title of the sermon is More Money, More Problems. And you think to yourself, well, if I had more money, I'd have less problems. That's often how we think in a, in a fleshly mindset, isn't it? That's our natural thinking. But, you know, and, and, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that I'm among the people that at times has daydreamed. And I'm sure maybe you have too. At some point in your life, have daydreamed about the day the big lump cash sum comes along. Whether it be an inheritance, whether it be a cheeky go on the lottery, whether it be... Uh, a competition entry that, that comes in and you think about well if I just had you know I don't want a lot but if I just had say one million this is what I would do with it and I would I would do this with this but of course the church I, I'd sort the church out absolutely God would get his portion and then I would go away and do uh, I'd get myself a nice car um, you know, I'm sick of driving cheap cars. That's me at the minute. And, you know, it would be just nice to walk into a showroom and buy one that didn't come with baggage, right? It would be nice. And, you know, I'll give some to family or I'll do this or I'll do that. And you think then everything would be sorted. I'd have all my ducks in a row and my life would just then, I would be on the level playing field that I need to be to go on in life and do what I need to do and of course I'll serve the Lord in that process and everything will be tickety-boo everything will be lovely if I just had a little bit more money but honestly the truth of that doesn't really pan out doesn't pan out you can look at the, at the, at the lottery winners and, and it really is a list of misery when you look at it when you look at it and, and you know there was a not too long ago maybe last year year before I remember reading about the family of a, uh, the, the, the UK's youngest lottery winner. He won the lottery at 16, half a million pounds at 16. 23, he committed suicide. And his family were appealing for money to be donated to those, those charities that deal with that area. You can look down the list of them all, and, and most of them will tell you that the riches ruined their life. They now are left penniless, a lot of them, friendless, in debt or have gone bankrupt or have had their lives destroyed by drugs, drink, alcohol and all the pleasures of the world. So if you were to ask them, did the money solve their problems, they would tell you simply that no, it didn't. Rather than solving them, it actually, for them, it, it put petrol on the fire of their sin nature that laid within that fell for the pleasures of the world. Now, this morning we're going to have a look at, at what Solomon has to say about money. And he's a man that knows. He's a man that knows. He's a man that had money beyond 
measure. In fact, the Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 14, that the amount of money that he brings in in one year, it says this, Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon one year was 603 score and six talents of gold. That is 666. 666. That's not an accident. I'm telling you that now. That is not an accident. That's God's inspired authoritative word. And that's meant to make us think about something. That number is the number of man times three, which is the number of Satan's imperfect trinity. But it's also the fact of pointing us to human endeavor. That's why the, the, the number of the base is 666. It's the pinnacle of humanism and human endeavor and human effort. And money is the, is the thing that fires human endeavor and human effort a lot of the times. Now we're going to have a look and see that money is inanimate. It's not money itself that's evil. It's the love of money. But man loves money. Man loves money. So Solomon really lays out the truth of riches because he's a man that's been through it all. He's seen it for what it is. And he says in Ecclesiastes often, he says it's vanity. It's vexation of spirit. It's worthless. It's nothing. It doesn't deliver what it promises. It's hollow, it's shallow, it's false. It's false. And Solomon wants us to know through his experience the truth of riches, that wealth underachieves when it comes to bringing happiness, but it overachieves when it comes to bringing misery. What was true for Solomon is true for us now. Honestly, there's nothing new under the sun. The more I see, the more I realize that there's nothing new under the sun. It may be have new clothes, it may look a little different, but underneath it's the same core thing. Sin, pride, envy, lust. It's all there. It's all the same, just in different forms. So Solomon, understanding this and knowing the dangers and knowing more than any man, lays out some things in Ecclesiastes chapter number 5. And, and here's what we want to do, because here Solomon wants us to know some things about money. So let's go through it. Verse number 10. Here's the first thing that Solomon wants us to know about money. Look at verse 10. It says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This also is vanity. Here's the simple thing that, that, that Solomon's telling us. The more we have... The more we want. The more we have, the more we want. And, and that's the truth. That's the absolute truth. The more we have, the more we want. He that loveth love silver shall not be satisfied with silver. Nor the he that loveth abundance with increase not be satisfied. And that's what we find. You know, um, the fire is fed, but it's not quenched. Once you get a taste of it, you want more of it. Once you get a taste of the so-called good life, you want more of it. And that's what you see with, with, with these people that, 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 that come into money. Oftentimes, it sets them on a path where they get used to the good things. And they want more of that, and more of that, and more of that. And to do that, what do you need more of? Money. Money. Round and round the circle of gold. And Jesus warned against this. He absolutely warned against it. Luke 12, verse 15 says this. You don't need to turn there. And he said unto them, Take heed, beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not of the abundance of things which he possesses. That's not what your life is. 
That's what the world's thinking is. Forbes said, he who dies with the most toys wins. That's what the world's thinking is. Never be content with what we have. Always want more. Caught in the trap in the circle. The more we have, the more we want. Look at verse 11. There's another thing Solomon wants us to know. When goods increase, they that are increased that eat them. What good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding of them with their eyes? Here's the second thing Solomon wants us to know. The more we have, the more we spend. When that big promotion comes along and work, what happens? Pay increase. Great. First thing that comes to mind, what am I going to spend that increase on? What am I going to do now that I couldn't do before with that extra money? Now, honestly, I'm preaching to myself here. This, is, this, is, this sermon's me in a nutshell. Me in a nutshell. When I, when I worked and, and, and you know, had, a, had a very well-paid job, every time I got a promotion and started to earn more money, I started to spend more money. And actually, when the balance sheets were done at the end of the month, I ended up uh, probably in a worse position than it was before I got the promotion. What happened? The more we have, the more we spend. We start to think, oh, I've got more money now. I can, I can, I can get that. I can buy that. I can do that. But maybe the Lord has allowed you to get that money to save that. Or give that. Maybe he has. But our minds, whoa, I've got the promotion now. I'm set. I'm off. I'm running. That second-hand car is getting traded in, and I'm getting a brand new one pay monthly. That's the way of the world. And you're no better off. But the promotion has got you more trapped in, because that's what happens with promotions. The more money you're on, the more your soul is sold to that company. That's the truth of it. I've been there. It becomes your life. So, but what's happened then? The more you have, the more you spend. And and that promotion actually hasn't freed you. It's trapped you. It's trapped you. Look at verse 13 as we continue. There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. Here's our third thought. The more we have, the more we lose. No, sorry. Verse 12, I missed that. Verse 12, let's go back. Let's go back. Verse 12. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eateth little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Here's our third point, and this is our third point. The more we have, the more we worry. The more we worry. So again, tied into the big promotion and work. You're involved more. You're responsible for more. You start to worry about more. You start to lose sleep over a certain thing. Or maybe your whole life is tied up in your wealth and your investments and your stocks and your portfolios and your housing market or whatever it may be. 
And the, and the crunch comes along, and the recession comes along, and all your shares start to fall, and everything you've invested in is starting to crumble away. You start to lose sleep over it. The more you have, the more you lose. A simple man that simply has enough to eat, doesn't have to worry about that. He doesn't go to bed at night thinking about interest rates. He doesn't go to bed at night thinking about whether you wake up in the morning a millionaire or wake up in the morning with it all gone. He simply rests and having enough to put on the table to eat. That's how God ultimately designed us. To work for our food and to fellowship as a community and live as God's people. That's how he designed us at the start. You know, if, you, if money's your rock, if it's your shield, then you will lose sleep if it's under threat. You'll worry, you'll panic. How many people have lost sleep at night because of money? Honestly. How many of us here this morning have, have lost sleep at night because of money? <laughs> I'm here. I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, many, many of our older generation will look back and, and you know, as I make that transition between getting closer to 100 than I was to zero, I start to think about what life was like. And many older people will look back and see that life was a lot simpler. It may have seemed maybe harder in certain areas, but actually it was a lot simpler. I was talking to this to my kids the other day, um, flicking through the TV channels, flick, 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 nothing on. 5,000 channels, still nothing on. How did we survive with, you know, some of you will be remember one channel. <laughs> I can remember uh, three just going on to four. And then some of you will be in the generation where channel five came along. And like, whoa! Do you remember the time when television went off at 12 o'clock? <laughs> Life was easier. Life was easier. But now, you know, and there was a sense of community, wasn't there? There was a sense of if you were stuck, you could go to your neighbor and they would help you out. And, and people did care for one another. But in today's society, it's isolationist. Everybody is told to be separate. Stay in your houses. Make your money. Live your own life. Never worry about anybody else in the process. That's what the world is telling us. Solomon is telling us the more we have, the more we worry. You know, mental health. On the, the increase in terms of conditions and worries and anxieties, self-harming, suicide, uh, eating disorders, all those things that come along are rapidly rising. They're on an upward trajectory. Part of that is the invention of social media and, and, and smart technology. There's, there's no doubt about that. But along with all this comes a society of choice. And everything you do has an effect. And you've got so many choices about what you do in this. And do you do this? Do you pay for this? If you want this, you can get this. Do you pay it in credit? On and on and on and it goes. And all these choices. Where God gave us free will. But when he created us, it was into a very simplistic lifestyle. With the choice was get up, work, eat. Share in the fellowship of God. Sleep, rest, do it again. Now it's changed. Night and day really is, is not existent anymore. It's a 24-hour society. It's a consumer society. Get what you want when you want. And for 
those today that are coming into this society, it's laden with choice. And what they're doing is correlating that the mind is making so many choices all the time that affects your mental health. See, if God wanted us to be this way, he would have created us in an environment that's like today. The environment we see today, I want you to understand this, absolutely. If you take nothing else away this morning, take this. The environment we live in today is man-created, not God-designed. This is our effort. And look where it's led us. The more we have, the more we worry. Then verse 13, this will make a little bit more sense. There is sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. The more we have, the more we lose. If you've got everything tied up in money when it's gone, it is going to sting. It's going to hurt. It's going to cripple. The build of material wealth in this world just means that we have more that we can get attached to in this world. That's the fact of it. The more we have, the more we lose. And our final thought and things to, to know about money that Solomon wants us to see, verses 14 to 17. But those riches perish by evil travail, and he begetteth a son, and there's nothing in his hand. As he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. And this is also a sore evil, that in all points as he came, shall he go. And what profit, have, profit hath he that hath laboured for the wind? For all his days also he hath eaten in darkness, and he has much sorrow and wrath with his sickness. The more we have, the more we leave behind. You cannot take it with you. You know, all those Egyptian rulers, you know, you often see the programs where they, they build up their wealth and, and they have it in their tombs and whatever. You know, from the place they are now, it's of no good, no value, no worth at all. We come into this world with nothing, we leave this world with nothing. It's only spiritual treasures. It's a simple truth. But I think it's a truth that we need to really think about as believers in this day and age especially. If we accumulate riches just for ourselves and, 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 and just you know, stock them up so that we can die at the top, as it were, it's such a waste. And it means nothing. The more we have, the more we leave behind. Now, as I said, money's not uh, evil. Money is inanimate. It's the love of money. It's the intentions. It's the attitude behind what we do with what we do. And... If money's used the right way, and what I mean by this, if we appreciate what we have, and if we appreciate who we have it from, then money can be used for good and for our enjoyment. Because that's what God wants us to know. So let's have a look at that, and we'll, we'll, this will wrap us up this morning. Here's some things about God in relation to money. Look at verse 18. He says, Behold that which I have seen, it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor that he taketh unto the sun all the days of his life, which God giveth him, for it is his portion. So here's the first thing. Our ability to earn money is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. You know, we often we live in a world where we hear this term, he's a self-made man, or he's a self-made millionaire. Really, that doesn't exist. 
Nobody is self-made. They may have put effort in, but number one, God is sovereign. He's allowed that. But number two, God has given them the gifts to earn that money. And I was thinking about this as, as a concept, and this applies across uh, money, whether it's given by, gotten by ill-gotten gain or it's, it's, it's gotten legally. Because, you know, I know, I growing up in Northern Ireland, I, I, I knew people that, honestly, that, that if you needed something, they could get you. Like one of these people where, where you didn't ask where it was from, but if you needed something at a knockdown rate, you would phone and you know that this person would be able to get a hold of this. A bit like your, you know, your, your Dale boys from Money Frills and Horses. Now, they're not doing that legally, but the gifting that they have to do that, to barter and buy and sell, that's given from God. Now, they're using it for, for the wrong means, but the gift is given by God. The abilities that people have, whether you use them for right or wrong, you're created, you're formed by a sovereign God who has given you the gift that you have. So whatever you're doing and the, and the money that you earn, God has gifted you that ability to earn that money. And Solomon is saying here that God gives it, and that means if God gives it, he can take it away. But ultimately, Solomon has given us the reminder that it's God that gives. And he gives you your ability to earn. So praise him for that. Thank him for that. The church body is made up of all sorts. There are some that, that really just haven't uh, in, in their lives earned huge amounts of money. That's fine. There's no problem with that. The world thinks, well, that's failure. But in the body of Christ, money doesn't come into it. Once you earn, doesn't come into it. In the body of Christ is, is are you sold out for the Lord and are you using the giftings that he's given you in the Lord's service? But there are some within congregations that have been given the gift of earning money. And, and, and being able to go on and, and have been self-made men or self-made women in that term and use the gift that God has given them to, to earn great money. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying that as long as you remember who it's from. It's the Lord that gives. And it's the Lord that can take away. So our ability to earn money is a gift from God. Then secondly... Our ability to enjoy money. That's also a gift from God. Look at verse 19 and 20. Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof, to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. For he shall not much remember the days of his life, but God has answered him in the joy of his heart. God not only gives the gift or the ability to earn. But he gives you a gift to enjoy it. If you do things right. If you remember who it's from. And what it's for. Then enjoy it. Enjoy it. You don't have to live. You know. A, a monastic lifestyle. To prove your holiness. If God has given you wealth. But you have to use it for his glory. And use it well. Give to the church. Give to those in need. But don't be afraid to enjoy the money that you've earned and, and have some pleasure in this life. There is nothing wrong with having pleasure in this life as a Christian. It only becomes wrong when that is your pleasure. 
and it takes over. God has given you things in this life, in this sin-filled world, and it is a miserable world that you can enjoy. So take a holiday and don't be ashamed about it. If you know you're serving the Lord, if you know your heart's right with the Lord, if you know that you're given to the Lord's work, if you know that you're not spending your money on sinful things, then enjoy. Because that's a gift from God. I've booked a holiday for June. That's why I'm, <laughs> I'm preaching this message. But do you know what? I'm going to enjoy it. It's a cheap holiday, but it's a holiday nonetheless. I'm going to enjoy it. Don't be ashamed of enjoying the pleasures of this life as long as they're God-centered and you realize that they're God-given. So Solomon tells us all these things. And basically, the truth is, more money, more problems. That is the truth of it. More money, more problems. But the point is, don't let possessions possess us. Don't let money manipulate us. If it's in our lives and we have it, use it for good and use it for God's glory. If it's not in our lives and God hasn't gifted us with the ability to earn loads and loads of money, don't envy it. Don't go after it. Serve where you're set. Appreciate who you are and where you are and what you are. Know that God made you that way. You're special that way. And live out your life that way. And don't desire to be something else. Be who you are in the Lord. And don't get caught up in the wheel of life. There's a thing on social media. It's called LinkedIn. Some of you may be on it. And it's a business tool. And really it's like Facebook for business users. And I used to be on this and and all different contacts on it. And my, my profile is still on there. You can go and see it. Google me if you want. LinkedIn. Kevin Courage. You've seen this, Josh, haven't you? And, you know, if you... It just was, that was my life. Work was my life. IT industry was my life. Seminars, consultancy, it was my life, my life, my life. And then the Lord put it all into perspective and he says, that's not your life. I'm your life. And he wanted for me a path to go into ministry. That was my path and I, I followed it. And honestly, the Lord has, has enabled me to have, it seems, more money in my pocket now than I did when I had the fancy job. But if you look at my profile, when I get out of that, it simply says below it in the little bio, Kevin Cowdery, left the rat race. Off the wheel, gone. More money, more problems. If God has given you money, use it well. Use it for his glory. Don't be afraid to enjoy it. If he hasn't, don't envy it. Don't go after it. Don't constantly seek it. It will never deliver what you want it to deliver. But look to the Lord. He is the one. Let's close. Let's finish. Turn to Psalm 16 verse 11. This is the secret to life. And this is what Solomon uh, found at the end of his days. And, And really this came from his father, David. Psalm 16 verse 11. This is where it all is. See, the pursuit of money is to try and fill a hole that money can never fill. Money offers empty calories at the table. It's only God and the Spirit and the Word that fills properly. It's like McDonald's. You go to McDonald's, you eat one. It's like, I can't even taste that. Let's have another one. You have a good, proper, proper meal. It will fill you. And God's Word and His Spirit will do that. The world will not do that. 
Psalm 16 verse 11. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. You want to get rid of your problems? Rid of your worries? Rid of your troubles? Get yourself to the master. He's the one that will provide fullness and joy and happiness for an eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this time this morning in your word. We love you, Lord Jesus. We know that you are indeed our fullness. And you want to, Lord, give us life and give us abundant life in this world. Lord, that we would be not of men most miserable, but because of the resurrection, we would be full of joy. Lord, I pray you would help us to see that this pursuit of money, Lord, is a, is a false one. It's a hopeless one. It's a one that when we get there, it presents no solutions, only problems. And Lord, I am thankful for those within our church congregations that have been gifted to earn and earn well. I'm thankful, Lord, that uh, they also give and give well to the work of the church. They recognize that their gift is from God and, and what they have is from you, Lord, and they use it well for your work. But Lord, there are some that aren't, have never been accustomed to money. And Lord, help us, if that's us this morning, to be settled in that, to know who we are, to know that in Christ we have innumerable riches beyond all imagination and measure. That we are complete in you, Lord. And that in you we will find our happiness and our joy and our life. So Lord, I pray that you would help us all to live for you and to live well. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.